0: And He's actually from this area. He graduated from Oregon State with a marketing degree and he told me he apologizes. He can't be here today. He's in Japan with his wife on his way to Thailand where I'm going to meet him in a few days, but he told me to make sure you guys know that he's a beaver believer. Um, when I was negotiating with Ian, He was a pastor at a Jesus church. It used to be called Solid Rock in Portland, a big church. And uh, one of the things he told me was at the end is, you know, if I come to work with you guys, you just got to promise me you'll never hire any of the ducks graduates. So we don't have any ducks working for us yet. I want to take a few minutes and just tell you kind of the short story of Remember New and how it started In 2003, my wife and I lived in Akron, Ohio, where we owned a couple of businesses. We were kind of living the American dream. Um, We were able to give about a third of our money away and bank a third and live on a third. And so we really had a pretty easy life at the time but also during that time I was halfway through a seminary degree at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Deerfield Illinois and I was asking God what he wanted me to do with my life my thought was that I might be an administrative pastor for kind of a church that was maybe 3 to 700 people and just do it as a volunteer I was only working about 25 hours a week in my business And just kind of managing the contracts and stuff that we had to deal with. So I want to start in January of 2003. I was on vacation with the guy that led me to Christ. I became a Christian just a month before I turned 30. So most of you are way ahead of me, I see. Um, I wasn't even a Christian at your age. But... The guy that led me to Christian was a great Bible teacher, and we were good friends, and so we were on vacation. I had uh, became a Christian about 12 years earlier, and he started talking to me about Galatians 2.20 and that mystery of how we can exchange our life for the life of Christ. Literally, Jesus Christ can live through us. Some of you may have read the passage when Jesus says, "'You'll do greater things than I.'" And I know when I read that passage, I would always think, yeah, I don't know why I don't understand it, but that's probably a mistake or something. I knew God's word was perfect, but I knew that I was not going to do more things than Christ. But part of that mystery is that if we let Christ live through us, then each of us can do things that Christ will do. He'll do them through us. So I really became infatuated with that idea. I started praying every day, multiple times each day, begging God to crucify every speck of Carl Ralston and have him live through me. I remember praying sometimes, God, I'd just be happy to sign a contract that every speck of me will disappear forever and that you would just live through me. But it was an interesting thing because the more I prayed that, the more silent God seemed to be in my life. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of the dark night of the soul, or if you've lived through this, I'm sure some of you have, but it's a time in your life where you feel like God's not there. You know he's there, but it seems like he's silent, and you feel like you're in this black room where you can't even see your hand in front of your face, and there's just no evidence that you can tangibly feel or see of God being there with you, and, Mother Teresa talks about this and uh, several other people. Well, I went through that for, I'm going to fast forward, 11 months. And just that feeling of feeling like God wasn't there. Again, fast forward a little bit to November of 2003, 11 months later. I got to go to Chiang Mai, Thailand. And they flew missionaries in from all over Asia, from India to Korea to China. They all came in. There were 115 pastors there and five lay leaders. I was one of the lay leaders who got to attend the conference when some of the pastors couldn't get passports or had health issues. And they came in and put on hour and 45-minute seminars telling us what God was doing in each of their countries. And it was the last guy that was speaking was a missionary from Cambodia. And he started talking about Chup Lee, who you see here when she was 16 years old, and the fact that her family sold her to a brothel to be a sex slave and I don't know if you think back to 2003, you probably weren't aware that they were locking children in the room or in rooms as sex slaves at the time. I had never heard anything about that. I had no idea that that existed at all, but He talked about how that was happening to up to a million children a year. But then he showed this picture of Nu with three other girls here, and she's the tallest of the girls you see. And he said, we have success stories, too. This is Nu. She is a Vietnamese refugee living in Cambodia. She started attending the Vietnamese school that they had there because they don't let them go to Cambodian schools. And she started attending the church. She became a Christian at seven, got baptized, started sharing her faith, growing as a Christian. And God did something supernaturally for me that day because I could just see Christ shining through her. I was an only child, and I had never really related to someone else as my brother or sister in Christ in the same way But I thought, this is so cool. I live in Akron, Ohio, and 12 time zones away, she lives, and we're siblings in Christ. And as I was sitting there thinking about that, the missionary said, but her grandmother doesn't like the fact that she's a Christian. Grandmother is an animist and worships idols, and so when New goes to church, she doesn't feed her. Sometimes she beats her for her faith. And then he said that when he was back in the States, New's grandmother carried out a threat and sold her to a brothel when she was just 14 years old. And the moment he said that, God broke those 11 months of silence in my life and just quietly impressed upon my heart, not audibly, but just impressed upon my heart, remember new. And I broke down crying, overwhelmed. And I think actually I was in shock with the idea that Here's my sister in Christ, maybe being raped 15 times today, and I'm sitting in this air-conditioned hotel and can't do anything about it. And as only God can do, I went up to the missionary afterwards, and I said, you know, could you find her? She knew wasn't there. He just had the picture of her. And he said, yeah, I think so. And I said, could she be bought out of the brothel? He said, yeah, but you'd have to pay a room and a board and you would have to pay the money that her grandmother was paid by the pimp. And that's how they trap them. They build up this big debt and tell them, if you leave, we'll kill your family, and they will. And I gave him my business card because he had to leave, and I said, look, if you can find her, please do it. I'll write a check for up to $20,000, get her out. If you need something else from me, my cell phone's here. I'll answer it 24 hours a day. Just call me. And he left. He flew out. Uh, Had to fly back to Cambodia. And again, as I said, only God can do these things. I ironically went to a Starbucks in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and I was sitting at the window, sipping a cup of tea, asking God what Remember New meant. I didn't know if she had died I remember asking God, do you want me to hold her as she dies of AIDS? Because in the back of my mind, I had this picture of Chup Lee that you see. This is her just three years later, a few days before she died of AIDS. And I had learned that over 90 percent, um, 97, actually, percent of the people that enter the sex trade in Cambodia before their 18th birthday come out with AIDS. So I had this picture in my mind, wondering if that was happening to New. In this coffee shop, I asked God, do you want me to erect a memorial to her? Did she already die? Uh, I asked him, do you want me to go to brothels in Cambodia and look for her? I really didn't know. But behind me were three teenage girls who had just spent three weeks at New Life Center in Chiang Mai, Thailand, which was a home to get girls out of the sex trade and so i turned around and told them what just happened to me and apologized for overhearing their conversation but i said i think god's using you to confirm what he wants me to do with my life and that would be the very first home that i did research on during the next two years i would do research i interviewed 50 or 60 people who had started homes or were running them And I did it academically. I wrote my master's thesis on this, you know, and I would ask them, what did you do right? What did you do wrong? What was your biggest success? What was your worst failure? If you started again, what would you never do? What would you always do? And then I would close with saying, if I was gonna start a children's home, what advice would you give me? And during that time, I learned there were about 20 mistakes people made and it was valuable as Remember New started. The other thing I would do is I would, I learned that 90% of the Vietnamese refugees either lived along the Tonle Sap or the Mekong River on the riverbanks in Cambodia. The missionary didn't find New, and so I started taking trips to Cambodia, walking up and down those two riverbanks with that picture you saw of New, and also a translator. And I would just stop everybody and say, do you know any of these girls in this picture? Do you know their families? Do you know how I can find them? And after six trips in July of 06, I actually was able to find new. I told her what had happened and that my wife and I felt like God wanted us to help her. And so I gave her a little picture book and Uh, she had to leave because she had to go back to work. She was actually working in a hair and nail salon, and she worked 12 hours a day. And I came back a few months later because I had to fly out the next day. I didn't know I was going to meet her on that trip. Came back in uh, September of 2006, told New we were ready to start our very first children's home, and we were going to start it from the neighborhood where she was sold because I had learned that 77% of the girls in that neighborhood were being sold into the sex trade. Told her we were going to start with 15 girls, and she would probably know them, and she did know most of them. And I asked her if she would help us, um, because she was working in cosmetology, and that's how she avoided being trapped in the sex trade. I said, we would like you to teach our older girls cosmetology skills, for half a day and then another half a day go to school. She only had a sixth grade education. And I told her we would pay her the same money that she was being paid by the uh, cosmetology place, the salon that she worked in. And after I said all of this, it was like 20 minutes through a translator and it was five till eight in the morning and she had to be at work at eight. And she said through the translator, can I ask one question? And I said, sure. And she said, when can I start? And uh, in that moment, I can't explain, but I lost every bit of energy in me. It's like my life, uh, that was the pinnacle of my life and I just, it drained me. I had begged God for her so much and she was already my daughter in my heart. And you know, I had just met her a couple of months earlier, but I knew in that moment that she would be okay. I knew we could get her the best medical treatment. I knew she would never be sold again. And it's also like God called me to two things. The million children a year that this was happening to, 114 every hour, and the one, the individual knew. And I knew in that moment God was pleased that I had found her and that we were going to be able to rescue her. I wanna take a few minutes and uh, let you hear news testimony. It's a video that's about six minutes long and uh, you can hear in her words what happened to her.
1: I would like to say my story. I remember I was seven years old. Near my house was Vietnam Beach Church. Because the school was injured, I have to ask my grandmother if I could go there. She allowed me to go. My teacher helped me to study Bible every day. And then I believed in Jesus and became a Christian. Then I went to church every week. I would clean the church each week before it started. When I was 12 years old, I remember my family had very difficult life because my family did not have work. My grandmother had to borrow the money. She borrowed the money to buy food for my family. She had to pay high interest every day on the money she borrowed. One day, I saw a lady talking with my grandmother. When I came back from school, my grandmother told me I might stop going to school. When she said that, I knew I might be so. So, I started to pray, I told God, I was very scared and I did not know what they would want me to do. Three days later, the lady took me to the doctor to make sure I was virgin. Then the lady took me to the man, I was 12 years old, he was in hotel room and I had to stay with him for three days. I knew I had to do everything the man want me to do. Before the man did everything to me, I said, please do not do this to me. I cried out of God, asking him, help me not be hurt. During those three days, I could not eat or drink anything. I never went to sleep. The first night, I was crying and I was sending all of my sins in my life, including sleeping with the man. At the time, I believed God did not love me anymore. Because of my sin. I had lost all hope. At the end of three days, The lady picked me up and took me back to my house. I was giving some aspirin for my friend, but did not see the doctor. I stayed in pain for two weeks. My life changed a lot. I was very sad. I did not want to eat or talk to anyone. I could no longer smile. And at that night, I would cry and ask God, Why did you make me have this pain? Why did you break my heart? If I did not know you, I could understand. But I know you. I loved you. I follow you. I talk with you. I do everything for you. But seeing this happen to me, Please let me be the last girl this happened to. After about two weeks, my teacher Zhang convinced me to come by school and church. During the next six months, I learned that my friends at school talking about me. They spelled spelling people I was so, so I quit going to school. During those six months, I was so. So two more time. I was very scared I could be so too brutal, so I asked my grandmother to let me go to hair and nail school. After asking for seven months, my grandmother finally said yes. But because I did not have enough money, I had to clean the school to study hair and nail. After one year of school, I start working 12 hours each day, with two days of each month. I was 14 years old. Now I know that the same time, I start going to hair and nail school. God's fault remembered you to my dad's heart. I learned many people were praying for me, learning this time. I learned that my dad came to Cambodia six times, learning this time to try and find me. Then in July 2006, we met the first time. He told me how God spoke the you to his heart and how God won him and Lori helped me. Then in September 2006, I became the worker of remember you. I start to teach the older girls in children's home how to do it. hair and nails. God done so many amazing things and show me so much love. Jesus giving me new parents in Carol and Lori. He taking me to Thailand, the Philippines and now America, what I remember you. Jesus has answered my prayer by using me to help prevent children from entering the sixth grade. Thank you for allowing me to say my story. Mm-hmm.
0: Nu is an amazing young lady. She speaks five different languages. English is the fourth language that she's learned. She speaks and Vietnamese, as though they're a first language. And um, the other thing that I don't know if you caught in the video, but in the worst moment of her life, that first night she was sold, she was laying there, not able to sleep, crying, and wasn't thinking of revenge. She was asking God, please use her to prevent this from helping other, or from this happening to other children. And I know that's just not what I would have thought of. Many times people wonder what happened to New's grandmother. She actually sold both of her own daughters into the sex trade and New, her granddaughter, into the trade, so three children. But ironically, New kept loving her grandmother, and after I had met her and knew her for a couple of years, I found out that she had become a Christian. And when I saw her the next time, I said, that is amazing. How did you come to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior? And she said that there are two reasons she became a Christian. One reason was that her idols never did one thing for her. She saw News God doing things for her and helping her in her life, but her idols never did anything. She said the second reason that she became a Christian, and these were her words, is that she knew that the love that New had for her was from the living God. And so New literally loved her grandmother into the kingdom of heaven after she sold her into the sex trade. Pretty amazing. Uh, They estimate that at that time, this had happened to 30 million children around the world. And I believe New's heart is why God said to me, remember new he could have used any of those other names but i think it's her heart of love that um, god chose new to be the spokesperson for remember new and to use her to keep children out of the sex trade many times new has said to me dad i just want to be a normal married young lady In their culture, if you're not married by the time you're 18, there's something wrong with you, their culture would tell you. So here you see a picture of New on May 8th of 2016. I had the great pleasure to give her away to be married to Gabriel. He actually grew up here in Oregon, and um, he's a great young man that loves Christ and loves New, He is infatuated with her in a good way and thinks more highly of her than he does himself. And New's story is a great example of Christ's redemption and grace and how he can turn the worst circumstances that we could possibly imagine into good things. And she would be the first one to tell you that. Since we opened our first home in 2007 in January, As I told you, I had learned that there were 20 mistakes people made when opening children's homes, and everybody I interviewed had made between 10 and 15 of those same mistakes. One of the things I learned was it takes an average of 12 years to buy land, build a building, and have 30 children running in a children's home successfully. But because of God's grace and me knowing that I needed to finish my degree first doing the research, looking for new. Remember New hasn't made any of those mistakes. So in just a 10-year period now, Remember New has 79 children's homes in 15 different countries around the world. We now have homes in Gambia, Guinea-Bissau, Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania. Then coming across, we're in India, Myanmar, Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, the Philippines, Bolivia. And we just started opening homes, and they're not going to be children's homes. They're going to be foster care, because they won't let us open homes in Albania, Moldova, Romania. We have over 1,600 children in our full-time care, and we've helped prevent over 1,800 children from entering the sex trade. Our goal is ending child sex slavery through prevention, And one of the neat things we've found is the way we find our children is if we hear that a child is sold from a particular village in the sex trade, we'll go to that village, talk to their village chief, tell them that we have homes for impoverished children. We don't tell them what we do. If we did, we would not make it out of the village. Um, But we tell them we have homes for impoverished children, and if he'll let us interview some of their children that we may be able to help them. And so we'll go on a Saturday and interview maybe a dozen children. We have about a 10-page application. And we ask them, what's your grade point average? What do you want to do when you get out of school? Tell us about your family. Do you have any family members who are deceased or have health issues? Do you have any alcoholics? We ask them all these questions, but in reality, it's all smokescreen. We only care about eight of the questions, and those are the ones that determine if they're at risk of the sex trade. When we finish our interviews, we tell the village chief, we'll call him back in two weeks, and we'll let him know if we can help any of the children. Call back in two weeks, and we might tell him we can help Sally and we can help Fred. And the village chief will just be a little bit puzzled because neither of them are like the best student or the best athlete, or neither of them are the worst student or the worst athlete. And so they can't figure out what we're doing. And the reason we do that is when we do those interviews, we don't know who the sex broker is for that village. But there's someone from that village that works with brothels in the city that are recruiting children or their families to sell them into the sex trade. And if they figured out that we were combating that, Uh, It's mafia driven a lot of times literally we wouldn't make it out of the village So what we have found out that's so cool is that once we go in a village they no longer sell their children We found out that They these people are not monsters when you give them an alternative. They take it We've offered over 1800 scholarships and probably been turned down less than 10 times These people love their children like we love our children. They just see no other option, and it has to do with their culture and a bit too much time to go into right now, but it is one of the neat things of Remember New is that we're ending child sex slavery one village at a time around the world. Our strategy is to match a church in America with a children's home abroad, and when we do that, a relationship is built And what that looks like is people inside the church sponsoring our children, and you can do that in three different ways. You can be a parent sponsor where you give $60 a month to provide for the needs of the child. You can be, we're actually changing this, Ian came up with the idea instead of grandparent, it's going to be called a cousin sponsorship, which will be $40 a month, or you can do a sibling sponsorship, which is $20 a month. And in that way, it builds a family for our children and also gives people an opportunity. Here in America, not many of us aren't able to afford at least $20 a month to help save a child, Um, but for those that are in different positions in life, it allows them to be like a parent sponsor and be able to be more involved as well. Then we also have what's called an armor-bearer, and one of the things that we do is we use indigenous workers for all of our children's homes. So from Thailand, they're from Thailand, all the helpers and house parents. But the one negative of that is, as an example, Thailand, there's only about five down to one half of 1% Christian influence in Thailand, depending on who you talk to and how you count. So there's not a lot of spiritual maturity in the countries that we're in. An armor bearer will come alongside the house parents and helpers, befriend them, mentor them, help bring them along spiritually through discipleship, and help them grow so they can teach our kids better. We now have armor bearer needs in Cambodia, Kenya, Laos, Myanmar, Tanzania, Thailand, and Uganda. Um, So that's another way, if you want to get more involved in Remember New, that's a better way to get involved at a deeper level. Many times, people look at New and I, and they will say, oh, there's the heroes of Remember New. But ironically, New and I, when God called us, we said yes. Yes, we're willing to do this. And so that's what we've done But the true heroes of Remember New, and there's literally thousands of them around the U.S., are the people like you who have said, yes, I'll do something. I'll be an armor bearer. I'll give $20 a month. I'll go on a trip and love on the kids. I'll tell others about it. All of you are the true heroes of Remember New. It's just people saying yes to God when he calls them to do something about it. When he puts on your heart that it's wrong for a child to be trafficked sexually. And you make that commitment to God that I'm going to do something about it. Those are the true heroes of Remember New. One of the other things that's a foundation of Remember New is as I've studied the Bible, the more I study it, the more I see that it's about love. And... In John 13, 34, Jesus gives us a new command. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And to me, that almost summarizes the whole Bible. Christ loved us, and he wants us to allow him to love other people through us. And it's an irresistible thing, I think. At Remember New... One of the cultural things that goes on is, because we're caring for these children, in their culture, they have to do anything we say. That's why they will willingly go into the sex trade when their grandmother says, you need to go with that man and do whatever he says. They do it without question, because in their culture, if you care for a child, they owe you their lives. And so, because of that, I've actually told our workers, do not lead our children to Christ. And before you want to fry me at the steak here, let me explain. We could tell them anything. We could tell them, we want you to believe in the pumpkin head God. And they would believe in the pumpkin head God. It doesn't matter if we want them to be an atheist or an animist, a Muslim, a Hindu. It doesn't matter. They'll do whatever we say. And so to me, that's almost like religious spiritual abuse to take someone that's forced because of their culture to follow you and tell them to become a Christian. So what we do is we have a job description for our house parents and they're in order of importance. And I explain to them, if you violate the first two, you'll be fired immediately. Don't even come to work here if you think they're going to be a problem. The other ones, we want you to follow them, but you're not going to be fired if you mess those up in like eight and nine or take care of the house and take care of the car. And I used those as an, as an example. I said, you can literally wreck the car into the house and we will not fire you. And three times they've done it. <laughs> literally, it's like all clutches over there, manual shift. And they hit the gas thinking they're on the clutch and boom into the house. And I can laugh about it because no one's ever been hurt. And over there when you wreck, wreck a front end, it costs like to fix the whole front end. Labor is so cheap. Um, But number one is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I tell them that's the most important thing you can do to be a worker here. We literally have educations from third grade up through college graduates. And I don't even ask them about their education in the initial interview. It doesn't matter. They're going to public schools, our kids are. We get tutors for them if they need it. I just need the people to love the children. And the second one is to allow Jesus to love the children through you. And I explained to them, this is the most important thing of being a house parent for us. We want you to just love the children. Do not lead them to Christ, just love them. Show them Christ agape, that perfect love. And what happens is after a few weeks or a few months or a few days, the child comes to the house parent or the worker, whoever they feel close to, and they say, why are you doing this? You're treating me better than I've ever been treated in my life. You're providing for me, and you're not asking me to do anything. They have chores they have to do, but nothing substantial. And then I explain to the house parents, that's when you say to them, the love of Christ compels us to do this. The reason we're doing this is, Jesus loves you, and he wants us to help you. And so that's the foundation that Remember New is built on. I've done my best to make sure that that's what we're all about. And in our homes that are, you know, in countries that are less than a half a percent Christian, some of them, we're in Muslim countries like Gambia and Guinea-Bissau and Hindu countries, in those homes, over 90% of the children have become Christians without being led to Christ. Christ agape leads them to Christ. And the cool thing is, then Jesus gets all the credit for that, not us. I believe it's a reason why God keeps blessing Remember New, why we see our children leading relatives and children at school and in their villages to Christ. We're seeing, we've are seeing we seen hundreds and hundreds of baptisms And again, out of our 1,800 children, over 1,600 have become Christians because of that love. One of the things that we need desperately is we need people to say yes to God and come alongside us and become the true heroes of Remember New. Today, the elders and pastors of the church have said that they're interested in you guys partnering with us to help ending child sex slavery through prevention in the back, my wife and I will be at a table. We have a thumb drive for you, each of you, that has news testimony on it and some remember new videos. It also has a cool PowerPoint. A family in Ohio, God put it on their heart to build a whole children's home. And so in this PowerPoint, you see the ground, and then each step it takes you through the construction of the house. So in about two minutes, you can see this house go up. And we also have a brochure in back that tells you a little bit about Remember New if you want to learn more. And there's a sign-up sheet that if you want to sponsor a child or become get information on being an armor bearer, they're in the back as well. And in closing, I just want to give all of the praise and honor and glory and credit to our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate hero of Remember New. Thank you.